This is episode number 35 with Ironman fanatic James Crumlin. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. Talk about a motivating story. After having his mother pass away when he was 29, James decided in 2003 that he was going to run a half marathon in her honor. Fast forward a number of years, James decided he was going to up his game to an Ironman triathlon, having never learned how to swim. In this episode, James talks about the mental hurdles that he's had when it comes to racing and training. He talks about how important it is to have people in your corner who are looking out for your best interest. I hope this episode inspires you to be more active in your life or to try something that you don't know how to do yet. Be sure to share this episode with your friends, nickcarrier.com slash podcast. And while you're listening to this episode, take a screenshot of it and post it on your Instagram stories and tag James at James Crumlin and me at carrier underscore best you. And use hashtag capital steps workout to let us know your favorite part. A couple of things before we get into the episode. Are you looking for a healthy snack bar that you can take on the go during your busy lives? If so, I've got the perfect thing for you. During my life, I'm always on the go. I'm always going from gym to gym, from meeting to meeting. So I need something that I can take with me that I know is fueling my body in a healthy way and in the best way possible. And Grab the Gold is the perfect thing for me and it is for you. So if you go to shop.grabthegold.com and use the discount code CARRIERBESTYOU, you can get 20% off your first order. They have two amazing flavors, chocolate peanut butter and peanut butter and jelly. Guys, these are amazing. They're gluten-free, plant-based, 11 grams of protein, high in fiber. You've got to grab these Grab the Gold snack bars now. Again, shop.grabthegold.com. Use discount code CARRIERBESTYOU for 20% off your first order. And for those of you here in Nashville, I have an amazing live event coming up on Sunday, June 23rd at 10 a.m. at training camp. Guys, this is going to be a 45-minute workout led by myself and three-time MMA world champion Michael Chandler, followed by a 45-minute podcast interview with Michael. So you can be there. You're going to be able to interact with me and Michael during the interview, during the workout. It's going to be super high energy, super inspiring. You won't want to miss it. So go to nickcarrier.com slash events. Buy your $10 ticket today. Again, nickcarrier.com slash events. Buy your $10 ticket today, Sunday, June 23rd, 10 a.m. Do not miss out. James' passion and energy towards helping others to be more fit is super contagious. And it's very apparent because for the last seven years, he's been hosting a free community workout at the Capitol Steps here in Nashville that consistently has upwards of 90 to 120 people. But guys, for now, it's time. It's time to work on being our best self today with the legend himself, James crumbling all right what's up everybody welcome back to nick carrier's best you podcast i'm telling you today is going to be an incredible interview an incredible episode because quite frankly i have an incredible man with me uh james uh james crumlin is, is with me here today and James is a, a lawyer here in Nashville, yes, um, yes. specializing in a lot of different areas of law. I have a few written down here, labor and employment law, business and corporate law, uh, entertainment and media, and then litigation and dispute resolution. So a lot of the uh, jack of all trades in the lawyer business. Um, but what I'm really excited to get into today is, uh, you know, you're a huge racer. You do a lot of different Ironmans, you've done six regular Ironmans, yes. seven half Ironmans, yes. and then how many regular marathons did you uh, say? Four. Four regular marathons, about 21, 22 half marathons, and however many 5Ks and 10Ks there are left, right? So yes, yes. 
A lot of, uh, very much an endurance athlete, a distance runner, a distance athlete. Um, so that's really cool. And I'm excited to dive a little bit more into the physical and the mental side of that. And many of you will recognize him from his amazing Capital Steps workout that he does for free every Monday and Thursday evening at 6 p.m. And last week was just the seven-year anniversary of him starting that workout, which is absolutely incredible. But the way I want to start today is give everybody a little bit of, of context in terms of really with your career, because a lot of people who are listening to this are you know, trying to figure out what their passion is, what their career is, and where they want to take their next step. So I want to ask you about how you got into becoming a lawyer. Oh, thank you first. Thank you for having me here. I'm very excited to be here. This is a tremendous honor and treat to to have (laughs) my my, uh, interview, my first podcast interview. I've always wanted to know how these things work. I really appreciate you having me here. Um, How I got into being a lawyer. So I was involved in a youth and government program in eighth grade. Um, and through that program, that exposed me to different areas of the law and different facets of how government worked. That coupled with the fact that my father was a lawyer, he was a civil rights attorney in Louisville, Kentucky, um, filed the lawsuit to desegregate the University of Kentucky and the University of Louisville Dental Schools. And so that those two factors. And my mother was an educator. She was an elementary school teacher. So there was always school when I got out of school at Mm -hmm. home. So uh, all of that provided a perfect trifactor for me to go into the career of law. Okay, cool. Awesome. So it sounds like your parents are both a huge influence on you and probably taught you a lot of lessons. Your mom, obviously (laughs) being an educator, maybe taught you a few more lessons than you really wanted at the time. Um, But what do you think is the biggest lesson? We'll start with your mom. What do you think is the biggest lesson that your mom taught you growing up? To always do your best Hmm. in anything that you do. Never um, do things halfway. Mm -hmm. If you're going to get involved in something or if you're going to take on a task, always do your best Mm -hmm. and uh, because at the end it's a representation of you it's a representation of your work ethic and you want to make sure that you have both of those on point while you're completing that particular task Mm -hmm. Um, so did she lead by example on that facet like what what are some different things that she would just do 100% Um, so every time that uh, we would leave uh, to go to school or I would leave out to go and catch the bus to go to school. There was always this this kind of rally pep talk. Hey, do your best, be the best, uh, work twice as hard as the next person. And that will always make sure that you're um, that you're that you've done the task well, mm-hmm. whether it's your schoolwork, whether it's an after work activity. I was involved in a number of different activities after after school. So. Uh, from the, the co-ed Y to to National Honor Society to um, what have you. And yeah. she always said that whatever activities and whatever things that you decide to do, just make sure that, that you do your best. That's awesome because I think, um, you know, you, you, you always have to commit yourself fully to whatever it is that you're doing yeah. or else, like you said, you're never the, the outcome is never going to be as great as it possibly could have been. Um, so talk a little bit about we're going to just kind of stay on that idea of doing a lot of different things sure. and trying not to divert too much. Not to spread yourself too thin because yes. you do your, do you do a ton of things right now, yes. Um, yes. but you're good at a lot of them. So tell, tell me a little bit more about how you prioritize the different things that you do currently. So some of the things, the priorities, that's always, uh, that's always an interesting topic. So for me, I always like to look at what makes you feel 
good? Mm. What gives you, what fuels your passion? Um, for me, it's always been the law. It's always been helping people out. So that's a perfect combination um, because through the law, you can help people out. You can help people out in the business aspect, in their personal lives, in their financial lives. It just really kind of depends on what their particular issue is. Mm -hmm. um, on the personal side, on the, the fitness side, I've always you know, wanted people to to, to be bad, be their best, to be the best you. Yeah. And uh, through whether it's um, training for a half marathon, a 5K, 10K, or just get, just being active, uh, coming out to the Capitol steps or what have you, just that mindset of being active and actually f uh, focusing on what makes you feel better. Mm -hmm. What can you do? It's all about self-fulfillment. And as well as trying to help others, because mm -hmm. you have to be in a position yourself to feel yourself to make sure that you're doing well before you can help others. Yeah, no, I think that's I think it's really important that you talked about, you know, making sure that you're doing the things that you're passionate about yes. that give you energy. There's a quote that comes to mind immediately when I hear that. And it says, don't ask what the world needs. Um Ask what makes you come alive and then go do that. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. That's right. And that, that's, that's exactly, exactly what you're talking about. You know, that's do it. the things that give you energy, do the things that you're passionate about. That's it. Cool. Sure. Um, and so your dad obviously was a lawyer, so it had to be a huge influence in you going into the going into law as well. So what are the, some of the lessons you think that he taught you growing up? Oh, my goodness. My dad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he taught a number of life lessons, too. Um, you know, always uh, uh, make sure that you know, you always have on a suit and tie if you're going to court or if you're out in, in public um, in a professional sense, because that carries a different uh, a different air and people kind of treat you differently. Um, always make sure that you get your your education and all of your degrees and certifications in a particular field so that you can be an expert or have knowledge about what you're talking. Mm. Um, so. Uh, that won't be an issue. Um, make sure that you that you have everything together, um, neat and organized. Yeah. Always have your arguments set. If you're going into the courtroom, you want to make sure that you have your three points and uh, make sure you make those three points succinctly and then have an opening and a closing and then and then move on. Yeah. And, uh, he, he sounds like a very structured man, like yeah. very much like. Have your ducks in a row, like yes. prepare, be organized yes. and be an expert at whatever it is yes. that you're going to go Absolutely, do. Absolutely. For sure. A lot of life lessons in that. And, you know, that just kind of um, helped me out along the way, especially throughout high school and college so. mm -hmm. gotcha. and law school. Yeah. And now. <laughs> right. Right. So you went to Vanderbilt. I did. And then you, st you stayed here now. afterwards. <laughs> um, I kind of want to fast forward to 2003 when you ran your first marathon yes. or first half marathon. Yes, yes. Um, and you talk a little bit more about that decision. Sure. I know it was a little inspired by yeah. your mom's passing and everything yes. like that. So yes. I just want to talk a little bit more about that decision yeah. to run that first yeah. race. Yeah, thank you, Nick. So it was um, it was one of those things where I'd never – so I'd always been active in high school. I think everybody was active in high school. And college, you, you were active to the extent that you could be active if you weren't a uh, – uh, collegiate athlete or on scholarship or what have you. But after in 2002, my mother had passed. And so I made the decision that. How old were you at this time? I was 29 when she passed. Okay. So 
and made the decision to do the country music half marathon in 2003 in her honor. And so, um, trained for that pr of course, since it was my first one <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, just did that marathon, did that half marathon. And that at the time was probably the, the most difficult thing physically that, that I've done because you had to, I had to think about on the days of, man, I really don't want to run. I had to think about my why, you know, the why was, you know, hearing her voice saying, you can do this, you got this, you can do this, keep pushing, you know, all the things mm-hmm. that I tend to keep that I yell at the steps when people are, 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 are doing the workout. So that's where that comes from. Is if you, if you want to know, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, so just hearing that voice and, um, really believing that you could do it and having friends and family that came out and, and supported me um, during that race, that that really provided the inspiration to do that. And so I did it that year. And then I did it every year uh, with the exception, I think, of 2010 because it was so hot that morning. <laughs> and uh, I haven't done it. I didn't do it this year because I did Ironman Texas. But right. um but I, I, you know, that's how it all got started. It started as I wanted to do something and, and you know, to honor her. Right. So why? So why race? Um, because there, because to race, you have to have a lot of mental focus. I mean, if you've ever run a half marathon or done any type of um, event, you have to have a certain type of uh, mental focus and to figure out why you're doing it, you know, what's your why? Because there's going to come a point in the race or during training that you're going to say, man, I I just don't know. So you have to have that why lined up um, so that when you get to that point that you want to quit, you don't want to go as hard, you you want to just walk away or you want to do something else Mm -hmm. that you you can always circle back to your why, Mm -hmm. you know. So obviously, like you said, it's a huge, not only physical test, but mental test. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to come back to that why, like you say, every single every single time that you have this these doubting moments. But what else is kind of going through your mind through a race? Because you can't you can't necessarily just be focused on that why the one hundred percent the entire time. There's gotta be other things going through your race sure. in terms of like how to um, keep my body going physically and on yes. all those different sorts yes. of things. So tell me a little bit more about the mental process during a race. So Outside of it being hot, (laughs) if it's hot, that's usually what you're thinking. Oh, my God, it's so hot. It's so hot. I need to cool down. But no, seriously, there there are a lot of different things that you think about during the race. So um, you always, in addition to your why, um, you you think about family. You think about religion. Um, I've had a number of talks with God Mm -hmm. (laughs) during races. Uh, especially during Ironman on the swim. He and I are really close mm. during the time that I'm in the water. We were close all the time, but especially close in the water. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, you just really have to focus on that and... and, and Finding motivational reasons to keep going, yeah, really. Whether it's whether it's playing a song in your head or singing a hymn or singing a, a, your favorite pop song or... Um, your inspirational quote or something like that, just something that can keep, uh, keep you motivated because Mm -hmm. at some point during the race, you're on, you're on autopilot because you've trained, if you've trained, and I always say that if you've trained properly, then the, the race day should be a celebration Mm -hmm. of your training outside of, 
you know, some elements like weather and terrain or what have you that you may not have encountered during training. But other than that, it should really just be a celebration of your training aspect. Mm hmm. Gotcha. So you talked about your your moments with God in the water. So what I want to transition to is so you started off with half marathons, right? Yes. It was your first race. And then you upped it to marathons. Yes. And then you upped it to Ironman. Yes. And when before you had to race your first Ironman, you didn't even know how to swim. Is that correct? I did not. So, I have no idea. <laughs> could not get across the pool. Right. So tell me a little bit about taking on learning something as, as basic, you know, as a lot of people already know, as as swimming at like mm-hmm. at an adult age. So talk about that process about going into something <laughs> fearful um, of something like learning how to swim. That that was probably um, the most fearful thing. That I always say that learning how to swim was probably um, uh, one of the top five hardest things that I had to do. Mm. In life. Right. So what was uh, the toughest part about it? Kind of overcoming the initial fear or just like uh, the initial fear of each practice? Or was it like, am I ever going to get this? No, it was all mental because I'd almost drowned as a kid twice. Mm. So the first time um, I was at a pool or whatever and uh, uh, somebody who was at the pool saved me or what have you. And then the next time my mother just happened to be in the pool with me. And so she saved me. And, you know, just having those mental blocks and barriers. And so when I first got in the pool, I didn't know how to swim. I had a, um, how this all started, uh, a good friend of mine, um, we had a, a nice, uh, friendly competition as to who could do the faster half marathon for the country music in 2013. Um, I ended up winning that. And then so then we said, OK, well, let's up the ante and let's go to 2014 and do the full marathon here. And so I won that. And then he said, you know, you and your, you know, that little marathon that we did, you know, me and my, my friend here, we do that after we do a 2.4 mile swim and after a 112 mile bike. Because uh, we're real men because we're Ironman, you know, just guys just right. around having a good time. So I said, I'm in, you know, I, you know, sure. Why not? And, uh, didn't know how to swim. Couldn't get across the pool. Uh, I remember my, my first swim lesson. Um, I was so nervous. I couldn't even get the, uh, the swim tools and, and things out of the bag. Mm-hmm. And, uh, had a great swim coach, Ashley Whitney. Hey, Ashley, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and good friends and, uh, Daryl, Taryn and Steven that kind of helped me, uh, conquer those fears and you know we usually do the races together yeah and but that was tough i mean being actually actually figuring out how to swim and accomplishing it wasn't actually the the physical part because we can all do it physically it's it's learning the how to get overcome the mental barriers Mm -hmm. yeah was there like a turning point for you that there was like all of a sudden it was like I'm not as fearful of this anymore. Or like, what was kind of, you know, what got you over the hurdle of that first practice being so nervous, not being able to grab the swim gear to being to the point where like, okay, I think I have a grip on this now. Well, I don't know if I, I ever had a, uh, a grip on swimming. <laughs> <laughs> I was joking with, uh, uh, my, uh, coach, uh, this past weekend in Texas. I said, you know what? This was the first time I just got in the water and just swam with no fear, mm-hmm. you know, because you always have some type of trepidation or some type of fear or something that's holding you back because there's you can swim in a pool all day. Mm-hmm. 
But when you get out in open water, it's 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 different. You can't if you're in a lake or a river, you put your head in, you can't see the bottom, you can't see anything, you barely see your hand going by on your swim stroke, and you have to trust that there's no fish, snakes, or uh, depending on what part of the country, right. alligators <laughs> swimming next to you. Or if you're in open water, you 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 sometimes encounter jellyfish or some yeah. other uh, nice. Uh, sea creatures that yeah. like to come and say hi, or, but if you're in a big group, you know they're they're pretty much not coming around you. Yeah, but um, it it it's very it's it, it was very challenging and very difficult to to wrap your head around um, doing something totally new, stepping out the box, saying to yourself, um, "I can do this." You know, I am not I am not limited by my mental limitations. Mm-hmm. Do you think it was just kind of like repeating yourself over and over again that you finally began to believe that you could do it? Because I think a lot of people, yeah. you know, well, are trying to go into things that they are uncharted territories sure. or uncharted waters, sure. the pun. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so like, do you think it's really just kind of believing in yourself finally? I think that plus having a good support group. Mm. Because you have to have folks around you that really support you, not the naysayers, not the people that are going to doubt you. Oh, Nick, are you really going to do this? Mm. Now, somebody says, Nick, you know you can do it, and I know you can do it, and I'm here to help you any way that I can to make sure that you that you do it. Mm-hmm. And so having that core group of, of folks um, that have been through it, that know exactly what you're going through— uh, that always helps. I think having the core group of of people, it just has a support system in general. That's such a oh, lesson outside yeah. of yeah. outside of training for an Ironman, outside of learning I mean, how to swim. It's I mean, just like you yeah. need to surround yourself with positive people who are willing to support you. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a life lesson. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to have people in your corner. You know, I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, so my uh, uh, one of my favorite athletes, if not my favorite athlete of all time, is Muhammad Ali. So I always. Think of things like in a boxing ring. So, you know, when you're when you're out during the day and I always equate like being out during the day is being when the bell rings and you go out in the middle of the ring and you fight. Right. You're, you're dealing with all types of work issues. You're dealing with um, people issues. You're dealing with whatever that that happens during your day. But at the end of the day, when the bell rings again and you go sit in your corner to rest, you don't want to have to deal with the same stuff that you're dealing with in the middle of the ring in your corner. Mm. So you need to have people in your corner that are supporting you, that are telling you, hey, um, you can do this. Or and that's not to say they need to be people who always are yes people, but they need to be they can, they can also be ones to give you the brutal truth that says, hey, Nick, you know, I think that that's a great goal. But why don't we look at it this way? And give a nice spin to it, not negatively, but a constructive criticism and give a nice spin to it so that it can help you with life. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I truly believe that you have to have people in your corner, people that support you. And if you don't have if you don't have those people in your corner, don't have those people that support you, you need to get new people. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think having people in your corner is really important. And like you touched on, you need people also who will give you the brutal, brutal truth because there is... Sometimes when you're around just friends and family, they'll say, you're good. Like, everything's awesome. You're doing great. That sort of thing. And it's like, great, but I need a little bit more feedback than that. So sure. um, 
we need, I think, some of our best friends are people who are willing to yeah. be courageous enough to give us that yes. tough feedback. Tough yes. feedback. So I want you to kind of touch on the idea of how to respond to feedback that you're getting to what, how to like filter whether or not I need to take this in. This is something that I need to try to work on or try to learn on, or like this person is just a doubter. This person is just a naysayer. I don't need to necessarily listen to them. I need to block that out. So kind of how talk a little bit about that balance and how we evaluate which feedback to take in. So it's, it's always interesting when people talk about feedback um, because per people that give you feedback, you need to, Obviously, respect them, respect their time, respect their mind, respect their energy, because if they're taking the time to say, hey, Nick, I see you're doing it this way, but hmm, what do you think about this? Or Nick, I've always been in your corner, but maybe we should take a different approach. And I don't think that you should be doing it this way. Um, it's it's all about you have to be you yourself have to be receptive to to feedback and you have to be willing to learn because you don't know everything. I don't know everything. I'm still learning day by day. Mm-hmm. And that's the great thing about about life and interacting with people is because every person that you interact with, you can learn from that particular person. Mm-hmm. Um, so the people that give you the constructive feedback, the people that are in your corner, how to kind of differentiate from naysayers is if they're always um, if they have your best interest and <clears throat> are sincere in the commitment for making sure that you are going to be a better you, mm. if they are sincere, sincere and making sure that uh, you are going to do things safely and properly, whether it's swimming, biking or running, or if they're a mentor of yours that has um, a vested interest in you, you always have to be willing to listen. You always have to be willing to to take in some of the feedback, um, you know, because a friend of mine always says hard work uh, beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. So mm-hmm. you, you always have to make sure that you're taking that in and making sure that you're putting in the hard work. And that person is helping you um, and giving you the feedback that you need to make sure that you're you can accomplish your goal. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think it's the I think the. <clears throat> Where when you said that you need to make sure that they have your best interest in mind, yes. I think that's like the biggest probably yes. takeaway that you need to realize. Like, is this person actually looking out for the best, mm-hmm. the looking out for my best me, or are sure. they kind of more like self interest kind of a thing? Right. Because we've all had those people that say that we've been around folks that say, "Woo, I don't know, I." Whoosh. I wouldn't do that. That's somebody that doesn't have your best interest. Yeah. Or they could, you know, it could be like they're jealous. Or they're jealous. But if they say to you, you know, Nick, hey, I see what you're doing. I think this is great. Um, Let's take a different approach. Mm. Or it's all about how they come at you. We always have people in our lives that that give you tough love. I have a friend of mine who helped me with my swimming. And, you know, he always was there uh, and he gave me tough love. (laughs) And so, you know, during that time, you know, you needed that. And um, um, what's up, Taryn? uh, (laughs) It gave you that tough love. And so that was uh, that was something that was needed. So you need to have people in in your life that that do that. Um, I've had mentors from in business and in in law, uh, when I was growing up, I mean, you know, it, it takes a it takes a village, really, to make sure that somebody's successful. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have the right people in your in your village, then you know you you may not be as successful as you can be. Yeah, I think when you said um, 
like it's really important about how they come at you and how they actually communicate with you. I think that's one of the biggest ways that we can start to discern whether or not like immediately when they almost like the way their facial expression, the how they the terminology that they start to use. It's like, okay, I can start to discern whether or not I'm going to be taking this in or how much I'm going to be actually taking it. But I want to get into a little bit more of the the tacticals of of racing. So you've done a lot of these races. You know, you just came from Houston. You've done it all over the the world now. You've done it in France and in India, right? Dubai? Dubai. Dubai. Yeah. Is that, uh, that not India? Nah, Dubai is United Arab Emirates. Ah, uh, okay. Got it. I need to borrow my geography. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, India, I think, is maybe three or four hours away by plane. Okay, gotcha. So, you, you've done it all over the world in all different types of environments, different settings. Sure. And so, anytime you go there... Everything is everything can be different. Food can be different. What are what are some of the things that you have to hold constant for yourself yeah. in order to make sure that you perform in all these different environments? So, uh, yes, there there's definitely things that have to be consistent. So, obviously, your nutrition that you take during the race. You want to make sure that you have the same nutrition during the race and that you practice it the same way uh, so that on race day, it'll be as close to flawless as possible. Um, so you want to pack your own nutrition. Of course, you want to bring your own bike uh, and your own know, cycling shoes and all your gear, all the gear that you've used. Food, that can be that can be tricky mm-hmm. um, because if you're in a different country or even if you're in a different state, you may not be able to get the, the food that you normally are used to, like your pre-race meal or your 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 meals two days out or the right, go to the right grocery store. Think about it. If you're in France, you've got to find the right market or you go to Dubai, you've got to find the right store that can have the, the different things that you hopefully can take. Cause sometimes you can't, you can't take that stuff with you. Mm-hmm. It can't really pack you know, perishable items. So you have to wait till you get there to get it. So, um, all of that. So the nutrition has to be constant. Your gear has to be constant. And then really, when it gets down to it, it's mental. It's on race day. It's mm-hmm. like, are you gonna, um, are you really gonna set your mind to the task at hand and say, hey, look, you know, I've this is a celebration. I have done all of this hard work. I have ridden hundreds and hundreds of miles. I've listened to James Crumlin tell me over and over again, or Ashley Whitney tell me, or. Todd Nordmeyer, you know, bike coach, or all these other folks tell you that you can do it. I've, I've ridden all these hundreds of miles with all these different people and swam all these miles, ran all these miles. Race day, it's time. Mm-hmm. It's time to bring all of that together and map out, <clears throat> get a game plan together and figure out how to execute the game plan so that you can have a really good race. So I think what I'm hearing is re- kind of regardless of terrain, regardless of where you are, you need to be able to bring your mental clarity and focus almost kind of back to the same spot, no matter where you are. Yes. So I always say that, um, or at least I always recommend that, you know, before you start your race or what always, what has always helped me is, um, sitting in a room and just meditating, getting some time, whether it's the night before the race or a couple of days before the race or a week before the race or whatever, and just sitting there and just closing your eyes and just meditating. Don't go to sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> just meditate and just focus on, okay, this is what this is going to look like. This is what that's going to look like. And then actually visualize what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. That way you can, um, you can, 
really kind of prepare yourself mentally. And then, of course, there's going to be some unknowns. There are always some unknowns. But if you focus on on you and your training and everything that you've done to prepare your nutrition, all that stuff, then you're going to have a you're going to have a reasonably good race. Mm-hmm. We talked a little bit about a little bit before we got on about the different toughest terrains that you've yes. been been through. You know, we've touched on Dubai, France, and and Houston here. And before you told me that France might have been one of the hardest terrains because of the the bike and yes. the, the hilliness of, yes. of that. And you didn't finish it the first time, <laughs> but you've also touched on how swimming has you know been such a hard part for you. Sure. You had your your God talks <laughs> in the water. So I'm I'm interested if you go back to one if there's any like one particular moment that was your toughest moment in a race that was like I don't know if I'm gonna mm. get through this. I'm hurting. Like was there any one moment in any race that you go back to as your Gosh. toughest moment? Toughest moment. I don't know if I can. There's so many. Okay. Uh, so I, I think of um, I think of a seventy point three that I did right here in Chattanooga, where on the swim I um, had a bad swim practice. This was two years ago, two thousand sixteen. Had a bad swim practice. You swim four hundred up, make a make a turn around a buoy, and then you're down river. I couldn't get. I I struggled to get the four hundred up. I held on to when I got. To the top by the buoy, I was holding on to a Tennessee wildlife boat. <laughs> the officer of the boat says, uh, hey, you want to come in? I said, no, I just want to hang out for a second. And so I looked at my watch and I said, man, I got 30 minutes to get down river before the time cut off. And I said, well, let's go. And so that was probably a tough moment. Um, another tough moment was in France um, the second time which was this past summer. Um, I finished the race that time, and I was very happy about that. But a tough moment was in the Alps. You know, we're climbing. We just finished our biggest climb, and my uh, my special needs bag was gone. So my nutrition that I planned to have for the second part of the bike was gone. And so there was... Why? I don't know. Somebody, I guess one of the volunteers had given it to somebody else oh, there because no. they're all numbered. And I guess they had gotten mixed up or what have you, but... That was gone. And so I was really like, oh, boy, I was freaking out. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll never forget her. This little French woman had me. She had a hoagie and she said and in French, I don't even know what she said. She just offered it to me. She tore off the bottom third, kept it for her and then gave me two thirds for a sandwich. And so that was I mean, that was my nutrition for wow. the second half of the bike was was a hoagie. I mean, I had some hydration stuff on my bike, but no, nothing, nothing substantive. So that 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 saved my my race. Um, wow, what a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. What a true blessing, a true angel. So and there's another race. So um, I think if I had to narrow it down, those would probably be the two. I mean, there's so many instances on mm-hmm. the swim where you're swimming and you're like, oh, I just don't know, <laughs> but you know, you just kind of get through it and focus. But uh, yeah, since this Houston one was the was the latest one and fresh off your mind, um, was there any like particular moments there that were particularly challenging? Or but what was your just biggest takeaway from the race then? If not, um, you can do anything is my biggest takeaway. We had why um, no matter what adversity you go through. Uh, if you have the mental toughness and you have people that are supporting you, then you can get through it and you can be successful. Uh, so in Houston, there's so many different 
in the woodlands, there were so many different things that were interesting about race day. So you had obviously the weather. Uh, we, it was 90, 85, 90 degrees that day. We don't have that, those temperatures here. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to train for that, even though you can put on you can put on layers while you're doing your run, while you're doing your bike and try to, you know, try to duplicate or simulate the heat. But it's really hard to do. It's really hard to have like sun beating down on right. you for seven or eight hours or however many hours that you're on the on the bike and on the run. But, um, you know, that that can be tough. And, you know, you just have to really focus. And if you have some obstacles that come up, whether you're you get dehydrated or your body starts to fail you. Um, if you have those things, those mental things in your head of I can I can do this. And then if you have somebody there that can help you get through it, whether it's they're cheering for you in the crowd or they're actually on the course and they're walking with you or they're making sure that you're okay. I mean, those type of things are invaluable. Mm -hmm. That's cool. So you touched on a few times about how that one time you didn't even race because it was really hot. And you Mm -hmm. talked about how it can be really hot during uh, during the races itself. But this is just even during the race, you know, before the races. All the training, the training days, I'm sure there's plenty of days that you have to train when it's super hot and the conditions aren't, um, aren't ideal. That's for sure. You early mornings, late evenings, I'm sure. So how do you really keep yourself motivated or how do you hold yourself accountable to following through with the promise that you promises that you make to yourself that I'm going to train and then I'm going to keep doing this and I'm going to keep going. So it's always great if you have an accountability partner, if you have somebody that can train with you or, um, a coach that holds you accountable um, by putting in your workouts and saying, hey, you didn't do this, Nick, on this day, Mm -hmm. you know, or you were slow on this day. Is everything okay? Uh, Let's take a step back and really has your best interest and can kind of see and motivate and guide you on that. Um, But to really, it's all about time management when you're, when you're training, Mm -hmm. you know, because you have a life and life is, is is jealous of you mm-hmm. dedicating all this time to training and all that stuff. You know, if you're, you know, my your job is very demanding. My job is very demanding. So there are times where I can't train, you know, there are times. And, and initially I would freak out like, oh, my God, I didn't do that bike ride. Oh, my God, I didn't do that run. <laughs> I didn't do that swim. My life is over. No, your life isn't over. You just readjust your schedule to to fit to fit it in. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't fit, then it just doesn't fit that week. OK, um, well, so let's talk a little bit more tactically then about sure. time management, sure. and about habits and yeah. stuff. Do you keep a calendar? Do you yes. have like a daily list or how do you, how do you usually go about? prioritizing your time management and all the different things that you're going to do. Yes. So uh, the 16th floor, which I referred to as uh, the 16th floor, is my job on McAllister North, uh, where I'm a lawyer. So that that takes precedent over everything, scheduling-wise. Um, obviously, if there are family needs or family emergencies, then that really takes precedent. But day-to-day basis, job takes precedent. I mean, because you got that's, – that's the engine – that fuels everything else that allows me to do all the stuff. That's the financial piece. Um, so that takes precedent. And, and then I have a, I have an app that allows me to do, uh, I put certain workouts in the app. So I know how long it's going to take me to do 
a bike. I know how long it's going to take me to do a run. Um, so I'll plan my day after that. Weekends are usually longer. They're longer training days because you have more free time. And theoretically, you don't have to work <laughs> unless you have a big project. So, yeah. um, But that's that's really it. It's all about time management and about what, what you can fit in that particular day. And everybody has it. Everybody has time management issues because their job – if you have a family, your family, your kids, all of that, you know, pulls on your schedule. And, you know, you if you're training for something, you have to figure out a way to get it in. And if you if life happens, which I people always say, um, you know, I coach several people and they get really down and out about missing a day. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. let's life happens. So let's move up, move past that. And let's do something different. Mm-hmm. Obviously you like, so obviously you like to train a, a lot. I mean, and you talked about meditation before your races, but I'm wondering, do you have any non-negotiable daily habits or maybe weekly habits that you have to get in in order to like kind of keep your sanity? <laughs> uh, maybe outside of like just training sure. or, you know, a regular job is there anything that you do that uh, helps out? Non-negotiable daily habits. Of course, obviously uh, is prayer. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's a huge factor for me. Um, How long? Uh, uh, man, depends on the day. Mm-hmm. You know, I always you know, wake up thankful, go to bed thankful, and try to be thankful during the day and yeah. try to communicate that. Um, uh, so that it, it, it can be tough. You know, if you're having a bad day, then sometimes you just close your office door and just you know, turn on some music and have your own <laughs> church, in, so to speak, in your office right. or you know, there've been days like that. Um, you know, that so time with friends—that's also uh, non-negotiable. That uh, weekly, obviously, sometimes I can't get it in daily, daily right. but but weekly, I've got to have that because for me, uh, that is a source of grounding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, growing up as an only child, you know, my friends were like my brothers and sisters. So if you're in that quote unquote circle of friends or whatever, then, you know, we're, we're all like brothers. We're all like sisters. So I, I really enjoy spending time with my folks mm-hmm. and I hope they enjoy spending time with me. <laughs> I think um, it's another thing is it gives you energy. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where anytime you have a good hang out yeah. with your friends, good conversation with your friend, you leave feeling energized and happy. And, and yeah, and there are, when we get together, it's just a ton of laughs. And, you know, laughter fuels the soul. Mm. And so that that helps you so much. It helps you kind of reset and recharge to be able to say, okay, you know, today wasn't so bad. Yeah. I can go out and do it again tomorrow. Right. <laughs> so That's important. All right. So we're down to the last two questions. And I always ask the, yeah, I always ask the same two to okay. everybody. So All the right. first one, I always start off by throwing out the age number. So how old are you currently? I am 46. 46. All right. Awesome. So 10 years down the road, you're going to be 56. Oh, my goodness. So what does, <laughs> <laughs> not to scare you, oh, uh, but it's the reality of the situation, right? It is the reality right? of the situation. <laughs> so. 56-year-old James Crumlin, what does that guy look like? What have you done? What have you accomplished? And what are you currently doing? Oh, my gosh. 56-year-old James Crumlin. Okay. Man, there's so much that 56-year-old James Crumlin would probably tell 46-year-old James Crumlin that I don't know yet. (laughs) But, you know, I'd I'd love to obviously continue practicing law, continue the, the health and fitness world, the different things that I'm doing there. Um, 
You have any particular Ironmans that you know, know you want to go do? I want to do Kona, so I'm going to keep doing Ironmans till I get to 12. And then 12, there's a legacy program that after you've done 12, then you enter into a pool and oh, cool. they'll select you, hopefully, and you get to go and do Kona. So Kona is like the Boston Marathon of, of Ironman. So as Boston Marathon is to the marathon world, Kona is to the triathlon world. Mm-hmm. So I hope to do that. Um, you know, I have some personal goals, too. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully those personal goals will, will be fulfilled and you know, just have a nice 56-year-old life. I, I hope to be uh, in, enjoying life like I'm enjoying it now. So. Cool. Well, so I wasn't going to ask this, but uh, you, you sparked the thought in my head. Um, you said a 56-year-old James Cumberland would probably tell 46-year-old yes. uh, some things that you don't know now. So what would what is forty? What would 46-year-old James Cumberland tell 36-year-old James Cumberland? Oh, man. I don't think, I think we have to start the podcast over. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much. If you had um, to pick two things. If I had to pick two things. Yeah. Uh, one would be, um, gosh. <laughs> You're like, how do I narrow it down? How do I narrow it down? I mean, there's so much. One would be definitely don't um, don't sweat the small stuff. I mean, there's so many different things that upset you on a daily basis that you think, oh, my gosh, my life is over. <laughs> and or you get mad at somebody for for something really small. And, um, you know, just don't sweat the small stuff. You know, say hi to people, even if they don't particularly care for you or mm-hmm. like you, because it's not it's not your fault. It's 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 their energy that's mm-hmm. messed up and you don't want to give in to their energy. Um, probably invest more. Nashville has boomed in the last 10 years. Yeah. You know, I'm sure everybody in Nashville wishes they had bought a piece of property downtown. So yeah. uh, probably do that. But just um, enjoy, enjoy family time. Hmm. You know, I'm, I'm very big on friends and family. So I would tell myself to keep doing that. Um, things that I've probably missed out on, you know, were, were probably because I didn't spend enough time with with friends and family. Hmm. And so uh, I think it's important to prioritize yeah. that. It's important to prioritize yeah. that. Well, so before the last question, uh, I want to acknowledge you, James, for giving back so much that you currently do um, in the community. You know, you've you struggle with uh, doing the swimming thing and, you know, you just jumped into the endurance racing world. And now you're, you know, you're giving back to the people who, who are wanting to do that themselves and to so many more people who are just trying to be better versions of themselves um, and, and trying to be more fit and you do so much outside of fitness that we weren't able to even touch on too. Um, that is definitely worth acknowledgement as well. So um, that's awesome. And I know people are going to want to learn more. We should have touched more on the Capital Steps workout. So yes. leave that for another yes. time. But Capital Steps workout Monday and Thursday every 6, o'clock, 6 yep. p.m., right? Monday and Thursday, 6 p.m. down at the Capital Steps. Um, love doing that. That is open to everyone, all skill levels. All skill levels, totally free. Um, it's a, a, a very unique thing that that we've been able to offer here in Nashville mm-hmm. and it's totally free invite everybody to come out people of all skilled levels there's a lot of um, 
hills, <laughs> uh, steps, of course, uh, burpees, bodyweight exercises, push-ups, crunches, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, But you got those that support group, all the people in your man, corner man, there. I mean, that support I saw group. like last week or one of the last days you had 70 people out yeah. there. And there's all, I mean, there's always a huge yeah. crew. Yeah. So during the summers, we'll range anywhere from 70 to over 100, mm-hmm. depending on uh, what happens. We've been doing it seven years. Uh, at the end of May, we'll have our seven-year anniversary, our seven-year celebration. So be on the lookout for that type of stuff. Of yeah. course, you'll be invited and everybody's invited <laughs> to come out. And uh, we're just so excited about it. It's it's really all about seeing people. And I get really energized. With this. Mm-hmm. It's all about seeing people accomplish things that they thought they couldn't do through fitness. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you're saying, you know, I just don't know if I can make it up that hill. Well, you know, that tells me that that's a mental block in other areas of your life that you say, well, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can do that. And so if you're able to get up the hill or if you're able to do an Ironman, if you're able to do a triathlon, if you're able to do a half marathon, then there are certain mental blocks that you have gotten over through fitness that can translate into your personal life, Mm -hmm. that can translate into your uh, professional life. You know, maybe there's a, a project that you can never do. Maybe there's something for your a project for your kids or something for your wife or your husband that you thought you weren't able to to do. You weren't able, not a good communicator. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe because you're able to do this one thing over here that translates into, you know, I can figure this out. Mm-hmm. I can become a better me. I can become a better version of me. So I really enjoy watching people um, hitting their targets, hitting their goals at the steps yeah, and watching the transformation. Um, we've had so many people, see, we got on another, another line. Here. <laughs> we've had so many people that have come out and transformed their, their entire lifestyle. You know, we've had someone who, um, doctor, she had a, she had a heart attack at one point and her doctor said, you know, what, what have you been doing? And she had told her, told her doctor, Hey, I've been going to, this workout, et cetera, et cetera. And the doctor said, man, your heart is really strong. If you weren't going to that workout, you would have checked out of here. Mm-hmm. And so we've had cancer survivors come and, and do the workout and so many countless other um, health issues that, that come out. And just to see, of course, not everybody knows it, but they, you know, they, they feel comfortable sharing it with me and I don't break any confidences. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's just amazing to see um, the the dedication and the talent. And then you can see the transformation on people's faces, you know, where you have somebody that looks at the hill and is like, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then either something clicks or somebody comes by them and says, hey, come on, let's go do this. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, I'm going to go with you. And. Next thing you know, you have the the mental fortitude and the the strength to to do it, and it's it's phenomenal to see. Yeah, you can tell how much you enjoy it and how much you're energized because literally when we started talking about it, your whole physiology changed. You get to the edge of your seat, your eyes widen, your face lights up. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think? I would keep delaying off the last question, but sure. um, do you think that you get so energized by it because? You saw the importance of it in your own life, being able to do something that maybe you didn't think that you were able to do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I didn't think that I would be able to do that first half marathon. Mm-hmm. I mean, back in 2003, I was probably 25, 30 pounds heavier than I am now. Wow. And, you know, wasn't in the best of shape mm-hmm. and 
ate anything that I wanted and had a really good time doing it. And um, just to have that transformation to be able to do that and then to see that same type of energy and same type of transformation happen in front of me with you know, the 100 people or 70 people, excuse me, or whoever comes out. It's 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 awesome. Yeah, it's all about them. I, you know, I don't. I don't do this for pay. I don't do it for self-gratification or anything. I, I just really like pouring into people and making sure that they're their, that they're their best. Yeah. That's super cool, dude. So people can find you on Instagram yep. at James Crumlin. Is there an underscore? No. no okay, underscore. just at James yep. Crumlin? Yep, at James Crumlin, at J-A-M-E-S-C-R-U-M-L-I-N. Okay, cool. And then there's a hashtag capital steps workout. Awesome. Very yeah. good. Well, the last question I always ask oh, everybody yeah. Um, I always say that everybody, I think, is on the constant journey of becoming the best version of ourselves. Sure. I don't think we're ever at that person. Hopefully on our last day, we can take our final breath. Yes. Hoping that we got close enough to that best version of ourselves. But I also feel like it's a very unique journey. Like mm-hmm. I feel like the best when I, the way that I'm going to get to the best version of myself is going to be different than the way that you get to be the best version of yourself because we have different passions, we have different talents, and we need to find those things that light us up yeah. or that make us come alive, yeah, that give sure. us energy and magnify those things. So what I want to ask for you personally is if you could do or work on three things to get closer to the best version of yourself, what are the three things that you could currently do or three things that you could currently work on? Currently work on three things. Um, continue my spiritual relationship with God. Um, continue um, Investing in time and family and friends because tomorrow's never promised. Mm. Uh, and then three, work on my craft. Whether my craft is being a, a better lawyer, which I'm always wanting to be, whether it's being a better triathlete, which I, I always want to be, uh, being a better triathlon coach, run coach, um, being a better version of me. I mean, I just I just want to continue to to work and be able to receive constructive criticism from family and friends so that I can take those thoughts and realize that those people are in my corner. And so they can help me um, and hopefully I can be that person in their time of need as well. Mm. Well, that's awesome, dude. Yes. Great things. Yeah. Uh, well, that's all we got today. I appreciate okay. it, James. Hey, man. Thank you, man. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it was awesome. Loved it. There you have it. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you did, share it with one friend or family member. Just take the link from the podcast or text them, hey, check this out, nickcarrier.com slash podcast, and it'll take them right to the episode. We want to spread this message. If you know someone who is looking to start their fitness journey, improve their health and fitness, or who is wanting to try something new, send them this episode. For those of you here in Nashville, go check out the Capital Steps workout every Monday and Thursday at 6 p.m. with James. Go learn more about him and keep up to date with his racing journey at James Crumlin on Instagram and use the hashtag Capital Steps Workout. And remember, guys, go to shop.grabthegold.com. Use discount code CARRIERBESTYOU for 20% off your first order. These are amazing snack bars that you can take on the go, and you can trust the ingredients. Chocolate peanut butter, peanut butter, and jelly are their two flavors. They're gluten-free, plant-based, 11 grams of protein, high in fiber. These things are amazing. And for those of you in Nashville, do not miss out on this live event. This is a kind of event that you've never seen before. 45-minute workout, 45-minute podcast interview, three-time MMA world champion Michael Chandler, 
Get your ticket today at nickcarrier.com slash events, $10 ticket, nickcarrier.com slash events on Sunday, June 23rd, 10 a.m. at training camp. I'll see you there. Remember, we need to surround ourselves with people who are in our corner, with people who have our best interest in mind. A lesson I need to take hold of myself is prioritizing time with friends and family even more. That's what life is really about, being able to spend the time with the people who mean the most to you and the people who care the most for you. Now it's time to go out and upgrade yourself today to get closer and closer to your best you.